Father, we ask your forgiveness. We ask for your cleansing. We ask for your healing and your protection. We come at this service in your hands today, Father. Bless us, we pray. In Jesus' most precious name we ask it. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. I thought we had a good service last night. I appreciate Brother Sam, Brother John. I go back into the past days and uh, there is a reality to living. Reality to living. Uh, we would like Isaiah and we would like Jeremiah and we like all of this that's written in the Bible. But if you like the whole Bible and you like Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Paul and all these great men in the Bible and you don't like your pastor, you will die lost. Now that's a very strong statement because Paul saved the people in Paul's day. Isaiah saved the people in Isaiah's day. My job is to save you. So if you think you can still follow Isaiah when I am here, you got a problem, don't you? Your faithfulness to me is what will judge you when you stand before God. If God has called me, your faithfulness and commitment to me is what will make you enter into the kingdom of God and give you a position. But to sing you're exalted? No. Is a doctor exalted when he writes a specialist on his board, signboard? Huh? When he says gynecologist, is he exalted? When he, he puts all these degrees behind his name, is he? No, he's not. I'm not exalted when I feel that God has called me to preach the gospel. And we'll talk more about that later on.
sing it today. songs that are just plain old songs and they are songs that minister strength to every one of us who are children of God and we thank praise God for that and I love this song love it because when I look back at this life that God has brought me from my boyhood days uh, just a young man at 12 years old when I accepted Jesus as my, as my savior in a crusade held in a, a community center stadium. And it started a journey that I never knew how long it would last. And it was not an easy journey. And when I understand where God has brought me from and how many times I could have died but he spared my life I look at some of you sitting here and I wonder how many times you could have died but God spared your life see sister Patricia in front here and I might not be able to pick on everyone but sister Patricia is one member in a large family and they were all in this church. And father and her mother and her brothers 
They all left this church and Pat stayed. And I remember she didn't have an easy battle. In the early days, I remember one time, I think it might have been in this church, when there were some people that from the congregation, you know those days we were very immature, and there were people from the congregation that were picking on you. Do you remember that time? It was Kenmuir Avenue. And I put a chair out in front and I called Patricia and asked her to sit on that chair. And I said, now anyone here that wants to cast a stone and to say publicly the terrible things you want to pick on her, go ahead. I'm standing waiting on you. And if no one has the courage to do that, then I want everyone from this moment to zip it. I was Ken Muir. And I'm remembering the time in Patricia's only daughter, Brianna. Brianna was about two years old or less when she fell down. And uh, we had those rails coming in from the church going down. Uh, you know, you get out from the coat room and come down. They had the rails. They were wider like that. That's what we bought the church with. Brianna was about one and a half going on to two years old and a Sunday night we had church and the kid fell through from the top right down to the bottom and she was lying still on the ground and we thought we lost her. We thought it was a bad experience and we'd never be able to rec accomplish, recover, recover from that place. And while the emergency department came and took her to the hospital we got down here as a church and prayed yes, sir. and when she got into the hospital they said they took her in they took her on a stretcher in to the hospital and suddenly she sat up and played like if nothing ever happened and I feel God was good and I appreciate the saints in this church that we are here not living what they lived in the New Testament. We're living our own gospel today. We can read the miracles of the Bible, but it is good when we can experience our own miracles today. And this church has come a far way. And we have seen God's hand work in this assembly. Over and over and over. God has reached on in and saved individuals. When we thought they would die, they continue to exist. In my own life, God has taken me through many, many battles and trials. And some things are best left unsaid than to be said. And when I read men like Moses that God placed in the wilderness for 40 years to undo. He was 40 years old when he was sent out. God allowed him to go in the wilderness for 40 years to undo what Egypt has done in him. He was a prince in Egypt. And for a prince to leave his princely environment and go into wilderness and tend to sheep. It's a great step of humility and brokenness. 
But it took 40 years and God was able to bring Moses through that wilderness and uh, eliminate the Egyptian from the Egyptian. It took Paul, the Pharisee, the renowned Pharisee, took him about 14 years when God called Paul and he was anxious to preach. If Paul had continued preaching and did not allow God to work in his life, Paul would have destroyed more souls than he would have helped individuals. Unless an individual dies, a minister dies, through a process that God takes that minister through, he would never be able to offer life to those who are listening to him. And I'm not here to tell you to follow me. That's what God needs to put in your hearts. I know some people would accomplish more in life as they listen and meditate on the messages I preach, but I can't force that to you. God has to give you that desire. And it took Paul about 14 years for God to undo the Pharisee out of the Pharisee. And when he was done, God could use him. And God took me through a process that he had to work the me, the gospel organizations that I embraced when I was growing up. God had to take that self-righteous, egotistic attitude from me in order to bring me to the place where I can stand before you and hope that God touched my mind that I might offer you life today. Not trying to live what Paul did, lived, and not trying to mimic Moses, not try to mimic some character in the Bible. But my major example is the Lord Jesus himself. And I pray that the Lord, through the process that he has taken me through, when I say process, it sounds like a, just a simple word. You would not want to go through some of the hell I went through as God prepared me to stand before you here today. And I'm sure there were times when men of God, God had to process them and take them through a process in order to use them. Uh, I am not manufactured by religion today. This is not a manufactured product out of apostate Christianity. Amen. Amen. I don't need to be an element that the Bible school produces or theology in society produces. I would like to be an element that God works on, Amen. that I might offer the individuals that listen to me life. So when I'm thinking of areas of the Word of God, and I thought last night was a good lesson. It was a simple lesson that we looked at, and I've got 20 minutes to talk to you here today, and I want you to get your Bibles out and just let's look at some scriptures. I told Nadine today, I said I want that special song to be sung because I will go light on the Word of God today. And when I say I go light... Um, it does not mean frivolously, frivolously light. 
And in Matthew 13, like we looked at last night, Matthew 13, uh, we just lightly touched over it because we had uh, some individuals in church here last night that I was hoping to minister to. And uh, I pray that God will save individuals that I preach the gospel to. It'll be sad that you hear the messages I preach and never get saved. It's like going and visit a doctor's office and don't use the prescriptions that he offers you to help you with your, your physical disease. Well, we are all, uh, we are all infected with a spiritual uh, disease that is worse than COVID-19. It's called sin and the sin nature. And I believe that the message we preach can cleanse us. Paul says that he, the word of God might wash you and the spirit of God might cleanse you. We might be washed and cleansed. But here in Matthew 13, when the disciples asked Jesus this question, why he was speaking in parables, he said in verse, um, he says in verse 12, verse 13, 11, sorry, and he answered and said unto them, because it is given. Given from whom? Grandma? No. Grandpa? The Bible school? Uh, books that we grab and read and see if we can get a message? No. It's given to us. Uh, it is given unto you, given from God the Father, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not. See, the Bible tells us a lot of things, and and if it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom that I preach, I'm identifying myself here, that I preach, you can't mix it with what apostate Christianity receives. Amen. You can't enhance what I say by what they say out there. That is why you have to have your ears open physically and your ears open spiritually that you would have God, through the Spirit of God, touch your mind and the eyes of your understanding. Otherwise, all you will do is hear and don't comprehend in your spirit. And so, it says here, he went on, he said, Therefore, he says, whosoever, he says, it's given unto you, um, what verse? And he said unto them, verse 11, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not. Now, I'm talking to you here today, and listen to me. While I'm talking to you here, there are some people listening to me, whether here or online, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but others that are listening to the same message, it is not. And you need to analyze yourself and do a self-analysis and self-examination today that when you hear this message preached to you, is it given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven? I'm not talking educating you. I'm talking illuminating your life that motivates a lifestyle. Simple, simple, simple. Hold your finger in Matthew 
uh, chapter 13. And turn with me uh, to uh, Ezekiel chapter 33. In Ezekiel chapter 33, it talks, uh, the Lord speaks to Israel and says, I will send a watch, watchman among you. I'll send a watchman. In verse 1, it says, And again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people. Verse 2, And say unto them, When I bring the sword, for example, COVID-19, for example, the regular flu, for example, AIDS and other diseases. When I bring the sword upon a land, <clears throat> if my people, uh, if my people of the land take a man of their coasts, it would have been nice if God said, if my people just seek after me and learn about God from me, uh, for themselves. No. God says, get a man from your coast and set him up as a watchman. Set him up as a watchman. In other words, a watchman must be able uh, to watch out for the people's spiritual benefit. If you have a physical property and you want a watchman, and in the morning he can come and tell you what dreams he had during the night about you, you need to fire him. Amen. You can't get a man that's impaired in his vision to be your watchman. When Babylon, an apostate religion, manufactures watchmen, they're blind. And if you have a blind pastor to the evils of today's society to watch out for you, you're damned. You either say amen or you can say ouch. The watchman must be able to recognize evil when it comes, to be able to discern between good and evil. If a pastor don't know when there's a flesh is operating in the church and when God is operating in the church, that pastor need to find another job. He need to go work in a morgue where he talks to dead people that can't respond back to him. A pastor must be able to know the difference between light and darkness because the devil today preaches the gospel. Not everyone that preaches the gospel is called of God. Not every gospel you listen to has light. Light is a spiritual illumination that comes from a ministry that God has ordained. I got your finger in a couple of scriptures there, right? Ezekiel 33 and Matthew 13. There is a scripture that Paul writes uh, to the church at Corinth. I think it is. And I think it is the scripture we quoted last night in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where Paul is writing to a church that was already rejecting him. So when I listen to that song, I think of all the men in the Bible that were rejected, which is most prophets, most apostles. They were all rejected and killed and crucified 
And Jesus himself came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now you look like a wonderful congregation here today. You're all sweet and beautiful. But if what I'm preaching does not penetrate your heart and reach on into your soul and, and establish a truth in your life that activates a desire to live for God and to follow the principles I teach, you're just a listener. That's all you are. You're just an occupant of the pew. And there might be no maturity and spiritual progress established in your life. Bear up with me here today as we look at some of these. And Paul, when he's writing here to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, he says to the church at Corinth, backslidden as it was, he says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, Paul was processed. He could say that. Any man that is not processed could not say that. He says, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we don't faint. A man of God that's called of God and processed of God don't get discouraged easily. He don't quit because the going gets tough. He preaches today, preaches tomorrow, and he preaches until God tells him to stop. He preaches whether the church is full or the church has five people. He must be faithful and his faithfulness would be rewarded. And many a times he preaches to the congregation and the message saves him more than it saves the listeners. All right. I might be running a little over my time today, but follow me here today. And he says, seeing we have, we faint not. We do not faint. Don't chop your hand and says, I give up. No, no, no. You don't give up. You develop a st stability and a stamina. Spiritually speaking, you don't know how to quit. You don't know how to miss a church service. I was telling my brother-in-law, Colton, today, I said, in my 40 years in Canada, I am only late. I was only late three times. In 40 years. As a pastor, I was only late three times. What about when you go to the doctor? As a pastor, I could not be afford to be late for the, an appointment with the doctor. I could not, be a, a, could not afford to be late for work. I could not, be, I could not afford to be late for anything. Because God, as I develop God, some God in my life, he works with preciseness. When the fullness of time was come, he sent forth his son. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, he poured out his spirit. Everything that God does is precise and according to a time frame that he has in mind. COVID-19 will only leave when God says so. Not when the doctors say so, not when the government says so, not when the devil says so. When God says over, it will be over. Until live with it. Work with it. Do your best to survive. 
And then he goes on here, he says, we have renounced. Uh, he says, I'm a minister. I have renounced every misinterpretation of scripture. Everything that's dishonest, I have renounced. Every trace of hypocrisy, I've renounced. And this assembly, you should be pleased to have me as your pastor because I try to set an immaculate example as much as possible. But if you don't know me, you wouldn't know my example. If the sheep wanders away and only see the shepherd on a Sunday and that's all they know, I wonder, are you a sheep or are you a goat? Keep your mask on, everyone. Keep it on. Pull it up. Yep. We tend to forget. You know, it's hard to have a mask on all the time, but it's what is safe. Do you believe that a mask can protect you from God's judgment? No, no sir. <laughs> it's just a mask. If God wants you dead, you're dead. And Paul went on here and he makes a lot of things. He says, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking craftiness in craftiness. I'm not here a con man. I talked to Carlton this morning. We had a nice little conversation. And I was telling him I saw a preacher. You know why I don't watch television ministry? Because they disgust me. I don't need to watch them. Why am I watching them? And I look at this man. He stood up there and he's got his own private jet. And he feels like, you know, he is all of that. And he tells the people, bring your money. And I look at that, a video clip, and they put all the money. They came and dropped the money up in front. And he feel he need to dance to the glory of God over the money. So he went and he danced over the money. And then when he was done, he tell them, pick it up. All kind, uh, kind of nonsense goes on out there in religion. Don't be so gullible that you become a captive of apostate Christianity. I'm here. You got a question that is religious? Ask me. You want to find out something about God? Ask me. That's why pastors are there. The shepherd is there. The sheep needs to get acquainted with the shepherd a little bit. He says, no handling the word of God deceitfully, but, but manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I make sure that I live as much as possible, as much as I can live godly for your benefit. I do. And then he goes on further on. He says, for five, we preach not ourselves, but we preach Christ. And ourselves, your servant, for Jesus' sake. In Peter's day, and the early church's early years, Peter said one day, he says, we're serving tables. So what we will do, we'll appoint seven deacons that they can serve the tables that we can study 
and preach the word. If Peter was living today, the church will put a psychological pressure on Peter that he has to serve the tables and the deacons star. It's a backward day. If you can serve God faithfully as a minister today, you've got a lot of help from God. I love the quietness of this church. I love we not get carried away. Anyhow, follow me quickly here. I've got to wrap this message up. And I told you I'll take a little bit of your time, just 10 minutes. And it goes on here. Further on, he tells you about what's happening. And I quoted this last night. He says in verse 8, we are troubled. I got troubles on the right. I got troubles on the left. When I turn, uh, Jesus set me free from all troubles. No, no, no. He gives you some troubles. You know, I love when we sing that song. I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. Set me free from sin. And then he gave me a whole bunch of troubles afterward that I have to face. Read Matthew chapter 10 when he sent them out, what he told them. When you go into a city, you know, they will accept you and love you and lovey-dovey, all kinds of stuff. He says, no, they'll persecute you and one flee to the other. Don't stay in a city that's rejecting your ministry. That's what Jesus said. When you reject the preacher, you reject God if God has sent him. All right? And he goes on further on here. He says, persecuted on every side, um, trouble on every side, yet not distressed. Per uh, perplexed, when I don't understand, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And then he says some beautiful statements here. He says, always bearing about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. He says, I would like to, like how Jesus lived on this earth, and he lived only to fulfill the will of his Father. He says, I am bearing in my body the dying to self and being alive to what God wants. And that's what we need today. Dying to self and being alive to what God wants. And he says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Christ also might be manifest in our body. For we live, we which live are always delivered unto death. This is how God makes his ministers. Not a college or a university makes a minister. No, experience, dying to self on a daily basis. See, the church today has moved away from the foundation that the early church was planted on. And he says, he says, uh, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. He says, when you look at me, <clears throat> you must see a sacrificial life and a daily dedication to God. When you look at my life as a minister, you must be able to see a reflection of God in my life. You must be able to see I make judgment like God will make. I love like he would love. I don't love today, hate tomorrow, no. I love constant love. 
I don't love you for you to recognize I'm loving you. Telling you, Sister Pat, I love you is to con you. But there is not someone that prays more for you than I do because telling God about you is more important than telling you I love you. See, that's me. Here's Brother Joseph, and he might say, well, I don't know when last I sat down and talked to Brother Singh. Brother Joseph, you don't worry. Brother Singh calls your name before God. And the battles that you might face in your home with your marriage and raising a family and the challenges you might have in life, somebody is bearing you up. And that's all I say about praying now. You understand what I mean? Because Jesus prayed for me. If I'm to take on his spirit, I must be able to pray for every child of God that's in the church. I don't pray that God makes you healthy and wealthy. I pray that God save your soul and gives you according everything he needs to give you to save your soul. If you need persecution, then God give him, but give him grace to endure it. If you need chastisement, then give him chastisement, Lord, but save them. When it's over, I want to know that you're saved. Amen? And so time is running off on me here. He says, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. Death, as death works in me, if your spiritual senses are exercised... The message I preach would, to those whose, God's, uh, whose ears God has touched, life would be working in you when you sit down there and receive the word of God into your soul. Death works in me, and it produces the message I preach that life might start to work in your soul and your body. So here in Ezekiel 33... Uh, here, the Lord tells um, uh, Israel, he says, set a watchman. Now, the watchman must be called of God. The watchman must be ordained of God. The watchman must be processed of God. Otherwise, he would not see what God wants him to see. Amen. Sad when your watchman is blind. But Brother Singh, he's educated. I don't care what he is. He can put ten titles after his name. If he is blind, he will damn every soul that follows him. Caiaphas was blind. Annas was blind. And so was Gamaliel. And so was Paul until God opened his eyes. So was Moses until God processed him. And when a watchman, God sets a watchman, here's what he tells Ezekiel. After he said, son of man, I've set you. God told Ezekiel, he says, I've set you as a watchman over the house of Israel. Verse 7, so thou, O son of man, I've set thee as a watchman over the house of Israel. And he says, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and shall warn the people. So Ezekiel had to receive an experience for him to preach to the people that God might use Ezekiel to warn the people. And uh, there is wickedness. And you read this when you go home, verse 11 and verse 12 and verse 13. 
And he tells them in verse 13, he says, When I say to the righteous that he shall surely die if he trusts in his own righteousness and commit iniquity, God will judge him. And as you come to the end of that chapter, which I really want to bring to your attention, he says, Also, verse 30, Thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls, in the doors of the houses, and they speak one to another, every one to his brother. Here's the preacher, and the people are talking by themselves. It is sad if you sit in this church and you're still blind to spiritual reality. See, Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 13, he says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Your ears are not dull of hearing because God has touched your ears. And I pray today for this congregation that your eyes may see and that your ears may not be dull of understanding. And he went on here, he says, And they come to thee, verse 31, As my people commit, and they sit before you in the church on a Sunday. Am I adding to the scripture? Yes, conveniently. And they sit, uh, they come unto thee as my people, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear what you're saying. They hear your words. But they will not do them, for with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts. See, they come and they sit before you, and with their mouth they show much love. But their hearts are all over the place. You all don't have to pay me for overtime today. Is that okay? No charge. But Andrew, no charge. And then it goes on here and Ezekiel says, And they come to thee as my people come, and they sit in the congregation as before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show forth much love, but their heart goeth after their own lifestyle and their own covetousness and the own almighty dollar that they have to make. See, I pastored for over, I've been in the ministry for over 50 years. And I've heard, I've heard my dad would say many dogs bark, but few can really bite. And that's something. If you go about to break into somebody's property and they got a dozen dogs that all they do is bark. And you walk in there and they bark, 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 bark. And you're moving along and they bark. And a watchman that stands up to give you a message must be able to present a message that will reach on into your life and save you. That's why that song means much, because over these years, when the storms <coughs> and the trials came, I survived. Many a times, death knocked on my door. Never took me. Miracles happened in my life to keep me alive unto this day, to preach to this congregation today. And it would be sad... If God is working in my life and he is failing 
to work in your life. So Paul says, death worketh in me so that life may work in you. And when you preach the congregation of about a hundred, if ten people receive that life, you're successful. But most people hear, but they will not do. Because we like to know what Isaiah did and Jeremiah did, but the gospel we preach today, individuals prefer not to incorporate in their lives and see it manifest a lifestyle of commitment and dedication today. See, the gospel we preach today would demand sacrifices from your life today. All right? So I'm, I'm, I'm say, it says, And thou art unto them as a lovely song, one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they will not do them. Jesus said, If you hear the words and do them, you're like unto a man that builds his house upon the rock, that when the winds come and the rains beat against it, it will stand because you heard the word and incorporated in your life and it made you strong in God. Last scripture, we get back to Matthew and I'm finished. All right, Matthew chapter 13. You know, this is the tip of the iceberg. I've not even touched everything I wanted to touch. And Jesus went on to his disciples. He says, uh, Isaiah talks about this people. He says in verse 14, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing they shall hear, and shall not understand with their hearts. He says, And they seeing they will see, but not perceive. See, it's one thing to hear, it's another thing to hear with the heart. Because when you hear with the heart, it makes demands, dedication, and lifestyle. Lifestyle changes. Amen. And he goes on, he says, For the people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed to spiritual things. It is sad when you preach to a congregation and only 5% hear with their hearts and incorporate that in their lives. And my message never changes. Whether it's church attendance, whether it's being punctual, whether it's commitment in the world out there and shedding light, it does not change. I've been preaching in this country for many, many years, over 40 years here in Canada, and the message has not changed. Because if God has raised me up as a watchman and I'm telling you that there is a sword out there, why are you running out and getting the sword destroy your life? There is a sword out there to destroy you. Obedience to God is most important. Finishing up, let's see here. And he went on, he says, The people's heart is wax gross, and the ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their hearts, and should be converted, I shall heal them. He says to the disciples, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For I say unto you, <clears throat> that many prophets in the past, many individuals that's not sitting in this congregation today would give anything to sit in this congregation today. 
and listen to this message being preached. So you, that much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. And that is sad. It says, for verily I say that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and to have not seen them and to hear the things which you hear and have not heard them. And it goes on to tell us more about the importance of hearing and perceiving and in cooperating the word of God in our lives. Let us pray. Father, once again, we thank you for this congregation and the privilege you've given us today. I pray, Father, for everyone present here today that you would please touch our eyes spiritually and our ears spiritually, that we will not only perceive with our hearts, but we'll in cooperate and practice the things we hear, Father, and that your word will come, become a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, except you build a house, we labor in vain to build it. Except you keep the city, the watchman, wicked but in vain. Help me to be a genuine watchman, Father, over this congregation. Lord, for I ask for your mercy in Jesus' wonderful name and for his glory. Amen and amen.